0: All right, all right. Good morning, everyone. Well, I say everyone. This must be a uh, people must be sleeping in this morning because our looks like our uh, our attendee our attendance is down here this morning. Hope everyone's had a great week. Hope you're ready to start a new week and uh, and get out there and kill it this week. I had a really good week last week. Um, I own a an apartment complex here. Um, not well. It's about an hour from my house, and uh, kind of letting this thing pay for itself as the as the rents come in and everything like that. We are um, we are uh, rehabbing rehabbing units as they become available. Uh, that went really well this week. We had a new one kick off, and then uh, I was able to close on a really really great deal, um, really really great deal on I think it was on Thursday and uh, just a f- fantastic deal. Um, and uh, really uh, everything was done. Everything was done creative. I still have not used bank financing for any of this stuff. So uh, the property on Thursday uh, we did with uh, no money out of pocket. Uh, basically we use some, we use some private money on this one. Um, but Essentially, we got no money out of pocket, and we've we've right off the bat we are sitting at about between eighty and ninety thousand dollars in equity on this property. So, um, really, really good position. Okie doke. Well, let's go ahead and get started. I guess um, looks like our attendance is just going to have to be down this week. I don't know. Uh, maybe I maybe I bored people to death last week. It's a good possibility. I can drone on quite a bit. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, and jump in. Before I do, though, real quick, let's see who we got here. And there he is. There's the guy. There's Miguel. Ever-present, Miguel. I love it. Hey, Scott, good morning. Good to see you. Okay, before we begin, uh, real quick announcement here. I'm going to get this scrolling um, on the bottom of the screen here. Let me get rid of this chat. This is a really cool tool, but it really kind of requires. I use Restream to do this kind of stream out to multiple platforms, but uh, it can be kind of a pain. You really need somebody to control this stuff for you. Uh, but it's just me, so I'm I'm gonna roll with it. But here's what we got going on. Um, so we've decided we've had scheduling conflict after scheduling conflict um, with our with our event on uh, in February. That's actually a week week and a half away. Uh, February. It was going to be second through the fourth, but we're just having all kinds of uh, scheduling conflicts and uh, just one thing after another. And so we decided to take it 100% online. Um, And um, if you're a student of ours, you know, you get into these things for free. Um, But 100% online uh, and uh, same content, nothing stripped down. It's just, uh, we have to do it online. So uh, if you want to find out more about it, just head on over to uh, sub 2 That'll take you to the landing page, get signed up. We've also, uh, we've reduced that price since it is online um, and it makes us, makes our jobs a little bit easier. We've reduced that price to 99 bucks. So can't beat that. All right, guys, what are we going to talk about uh, this morning? We are going to talk about. Uh, one particular problem that is, uh, that it just, it comes up over and over and over again. And, um, that problem is when you have a seller who, you know, let's see, let's say that you've, uh, you've come to an agreement with a seller that you're going to buy their property subject to. All right. So you've gone through, you've done all the hard work, you've done all the, um, you know, you've, you've built all the rapport and, and you've, uh, you finally got the seller to a point where they're comfortable with doing a subject to deal with you. All right. So, uh, the question is what do you do if a seller has agreed to do this subject to deal with you, but they want to buy, they want to buy another home after the sale or at some point within the next few years after you, after you close on this deal. So, Let's just kind of walk through this process. I'm going to give you a couple solutions to this. Uh, some of them are a little, you know, a little easier than others to to get done. Some of them are really. One in particular is really kind of a pain. Um, it's kind of a pain to to accomplish and and uh, and get done. But let's go ahead and talk about them and run you through a a couple scenarios here. And um, yeah, we'll get this kick started here. Let me make sure I've got everything up, guys. I'm going to throw the chat window up. If you have any questions, you know the deal. Throw it in the chat. And um, I kind of, I kind of jotted down some notes this morning just to keep me on point. But if you have any questions, jump in the chat. I'm going to be switching screens. Um, I don't really like to use my other screen here. I kind of like to uh, keep it on this screen because uh, it's right in front of me. I don't have to, uh, you know, don't have to bounce back and forth. Okay, so. Let's walk through a scenario here. Well, let me get a, let me get a little sip of coffee here. All right. So you've come to this agreement with your seller. You're going to buy their property subject to, uh, so you are, you're going to go ahead, you know, you're going to take over their or you've explained to them rather you're going to take over responsibility of making their mortgage payments, um, in exchange for the deed to the property. You're going to be making those payments directly to the lender. Um, you know, and it may be just a case where your seller might be going through a rough patch and, uh, you know, you've explained to them that, you know, you can help save their credit. All of that good stuff that comes along with um, with buying a property subject to, you know, particularly if someone is in a distressed situation. Um, maybe you're buying the property. It has, maybe it has no equity. You know, we're not afraid to uh, to really... I mean, we definitely have to have certain criteria if we're going to buy a property with no equity in it. For example, we don't want to have a property that has no equity and needs, you know, you know, 50 or $60,000 worth of work. That's not going to, that's just not going to happen. You know, it needs to be a pretty house pretty much if it's um, pretty much if you're going to buy it subject to there's no equity, it needs to be a pretty house, right? So, uh, but let's say it has no equity. Uh, but you, as the smart investor, realize that you know the property has potential for uh, for cash flowing rather well. All right, so so like the stars are all aligning, everything's looking perfect, and then just out of nowhere, your seller realizes it dawns on them, and they say to you, or they ask you the question, "Will I be able to buy another house if we do this deal?" am i going to be able to purchase another house if my loan stays in place and so uh all of a sudden you're like a deer in the headlights like you know because there's there's so many questions around that you don't know um you know what it all boils down to is debt to income that's what this boils down to debt to income ratio and will they be able to borrow uh later down the road if their debt to income ratio exceeds, it's 43%. That's what, that's what the lenders are going to look at. Um, if your debt to income ratio exceeds 43%, they're probably going to, probably not going to approve you for that loan. And so, you know, they ask you this question, what do you say? What do you tell them? And I just get this time and time and time again. And, um, it's not, you know, first of all, this is not an easy conversation to have with it, with a seller, because you, you know, you can't be, you you have to be truthful with all your sellers, period. You can't go out and tell them, well, yeah, there'd be no problem for you to, you know, to get another loan because it's not true. You just don't know, uh, you know, their particular, maybe you don't know their financial situation, you know, and shoot maybe three, four or five years down the road, maybe their situation changes and they're in, in even more debt or something, something along those lines. You just can't answer that question. Um, you know, truthfully, you can't answer that question in an untruthful manner. It has to be, you have to tell them the truth. And so we're always, we're always upfront. We're always, um, you know, we're always disclosing everything, making sure that our sellers completely understand that buying their property subject to their debt to income will be affected. Okay. It will be no matter what. So what do you do in this situation? Um, there are a couple of different ways to handle this situation. Um, but our job as investors is to solve problems, right? So the trick to getting this deal to the closing table is having the answers and solutions to those problems. Uh, because they will undoubtedly, they will, this will arise. This will happen to you if you're going to buy properties, particularly subject to, right? So what do you do when you're presented with this question? Um, here's what we're going to do. First of all, we have, we have a choice here. We can either, well, we can, we have to look at, uh, two different things. We have to look at the property itself and then we have to look at the financial situation of our seller. So let's take a look at, at the property. Um, first of all, is this a rental property Let me make sure we've got no questions here. Hey, good morning, Jonathan. Good to see you. So, First question is, is this a rental property? Is this anything other than their primary residence? And, um, if it is, all of the secondary market note buyers, that means uh, Fannie, Freddie, uh, all of the other secondary note buyers, they impose lending guidelines that will allow for 75% of the rental income to be credited towards the borrower's DTI. Okay. So, uh, in fact, uh, I looked that up this morning here. Give me one second here. I'm going to post. I'm going to post where I found that. So you guys can take a look at it if you'd like. All right. Yeah. That's a big, long, uh, that's a big, long, it looks like it was able to post it to it's able to post it to YouTube and to Facebook. So if you're, if you're joining us from some other platform, um, I don't know that you're going to see that, but, um, if not, I prefer everybody to go to the YouTube channel. Obviously the more traffic we get there, we get out on YouTube, the better. Uh, so this is, these are our guidelines. Uh, this comes directly from, from Fanny and, uh, like I said, this is going. They're going to allow. They're going to allow for seventy-five percent of the rental income to be credited towards the borrower's DTI. Okay. What does this mean? And don't we have an inherent problem here because the borrower, if you're buying a property subject to, the borrower is no longer the owner of that property, right? So, uh, so it can get a little bit complicated, and. In, really ultimately this is going to just going to require you to work with your seller to provide documented evidence of rental income. now they're not the, they're, they're no longer the owner but there is rental income on that off of that property and so uh, I'm not an attorney everybody knows that. Uh, but you know you you can potentially you can provide that information to them. You can you can 100% give them give your seller who is now the the new borrower. uh, You can provide that information to them. Um, Like I said, it's very complicated because, and quite honestly, this I think this is going to raise red flags. This is going to be their BS meter is going to go off, and and you're going to have some lenders that are going to go, well, this doesn't really make sense. Um, So this isn't going to work 100% of the time for you. I just don't. You know, we're probably, we actually use another, another method, but when we were actually doing this, working with our sellers, um, we were maybe, you know, 60, 65% successful with this, not very high at all. Um, but you do have another option. Um, and there is something called, uh, in fact, this one I actually just did about a month ago. Okay. Your other option is this. Fannie who buys Fannie by the way buys nine, like 95% of all of the mortgages. So, I mean Fannie buys a ton of them. They they buy I'm probably exaggerating that number. I don't actually know that what that number is, but uh Fannie is going to buy they are your secondary market main buyer. So, uh, so most of the, almost all of your lenders are going to uh their their products are going to be underwritten uh based on the guidelines or their lending products are going to be underwritten based on the guidelines from Fannie. All right. So, so here's one of the other options that we did, uh, that we've, <clears throat> that we have employed and it works quite well. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to post this one as well. I've got it up here. Hold on one second. Okay. This one is, um, This one has to do with, um, well, let me just tell you what it is. Okay. Fannie allows for debt paid by others. I'm going to throw this in the chat. You guys can read about this here. There we go. Fannie allows for debt, for debt that is paid by others to be 100% excluded from a borrower's DTI. Uh, there are certain requirements um, but all that's really required to comply with this particular guideline um, is it's simply a letter. it's actually it's actually an affidavit. Um, and what this affidavit states is that we are obligated because the rules the rules through Fanny say that the person actually uh, paying the debt, uh, has to be obligated to pay that debt. So there, there needs to be, um, there needs to be some paperwork in order that shows that the person that's, or the the entity that's actually making the payments on that debt is obligated to do so. And so what we do is we fill out an affidavit. Uh, it's a letter we just, we just send to, uh, send to the lender that where we are the Right, we're the ones making the the sworn statement that we are obligated to pay that debt. Okay, and I just did this. I have a. Um, make sure we've got no questions here. So I own a a multifamily property uh, that I picked up subject to, uh, paid something along the line. I don't know, it's like three hundred and seventy something thousand for this property, and um, picked it up subject to. And then I got a call from the uh, from the seller on that property. Um, I don't know. It's like a year later, something like that. Got a call from the seller. They're trying to refinance their, their home, their residence. And so, um, the, their, his lender, obviously this, I bought a subject too. So obviously that, that mortgage shows up on the, um, shows up as an active lien. And so what we did, uh, was we, we went ahead and filled out this half day, but we, we, it was a sworn statement that we are obligated to uh, to make that payment. And that lender wiped off or credited, I'm sorry, credited that uh, credit our seller, his borrower, um, 100% off of his DTI. I don't, I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly. He did not apply any of that payment that we're making um, towards our borrowers or our sellers debt to income ratio. So this is what we've, uh, we've really started to do. It's a lot less complicated. It's literally one, uh, one piece of paper that, uh, you know, like I said, it's basically just a, a letter that we have our, um, uh, uh, it's on our company letterhead. We have, um, we have our signatures notarized the whole nine yards It's very official. Uh, so, um, that is, that is probably my favorite way to go because, not only do I get to pick up a property subject to where I'm getting legal title and I'm making payments directly to the to the lender, um, but it also helps our seller out because now, obviously, that does not apply, that the the payment does not apply to his debt to income ratio. All right. So, ideal way to do it. It really is a, a great way to do it. Um, we've had 100% success rate with this. So, you know, I don't know um, if other folks have tried this and, and I, you know, if you have, I would love to hear what your success rate is. We are at 100%. This is, this is working for us really well. All right. Let me make sure we've got no questions here. All right. No questions. Everyone's quiet today. Awesome. All right. Okay. Let's look at another, another scenario here real quickly. Um, let's just say, that the property in question is the seller's primary residence. It is not a rental property. All right. How can it on a, with a primary residence, how can you still buy that property without affecting that seller's debt to income ratio and still be, and still have all the legal protections that you would have if you were, if you were to just go buy it outright, right. Or buy it subject to. How are you protected? That answer is really pretty simple. So the way we would do that is we would buy that property on a mortgage wrap. Okay, so uh, let me give you a kind of a a quick rundown, a quick synopsis of what I'm talking about. Your seller says, "Hey, you know, the, yeah, yeah, you can buy my property subject to, but." won't this, uh, isn't this going to affect my debt to income ratio later? Am I going to be able to buy a property later? Again, you're deer in the headlights. You're like, uh, I don't know. Well, maybe they start to get a little squeamish. They start to feel, um, start to feel like that deal won't work for them because it's, it's not setting them up for, for, um, for a win later down the road. Like they can't go out and get another, get another loan. So your option then is, um, you're going to come up and you're going to talk to the seller about this other option that is buying their house on, um, on a mortgage wrap or them seller financing your seller financing you their property. All right. So the inner workings of that looks like this, the seller's loan is going to go ahead. It's going to stay in place, but you are going to wrap their mortgage with a new one. This is usually accomplished through a, uh, an all inclusive trust deed. Um, and so that's the way we do it. But, uh, you know, there may be other mechanisms that you can use uh, in your state. You'll have to go out and look. But essentially, the, the um, you're buying it on a wrap. There's a there's an underlying mortgage, and you're wrapping that mortgage, right? Makes sense. So what, in, what ultimately ends up happening is you're going to make a payment. Well, this isn't necessarily true because we do it a little bit differently. Um, you're going to make a payment to the seller, and then the seller is going to make their underlying payment and they're actually earning an income off of that sale, a monthly principal and interest income. Right? So, um, we don't like to do it that way. We actually like to make two payments, uh, because if you're dealing with a seller who is, uh, who has a, is in financial distress anyway, and they were, and maybe they were okay with letting the, the house go back to the bank or something like that. Uh, well, if you're making a payment directly to them, who's to say that they're not going to take that cash and run with it? So what we do is we make two payments. We make one directly to the lender, to the seller's lender, and we make one to the lender for any kind of, um, you know, if they are earning uh, in, an interest payment or something like that, we'll make it directly to uh, to the seller. OK, um, let me get back on point here. Oh, OK. So so the question is, how does this um, how does this prevent this debt to income problem? Because remember, lending in the in the lending business. Yeah, you have under underlying uh, situations like, you know, uh, have you uh, are you current? You know, are you current on all your bills? Do you have any judgments? Do you have you know, there's other criteria for underwriting a, a borrower. But the big one, the biggest one is debt to income period. Like I say, you can't have 43% is the cutoff. If a, uh, if a borrower is over 43% on their, uh, on their debt to income ratio, they will not get a loan. They, they just can't because, because that lender cannot turn around and sell that note to the secondary markets. So, uh, so they have to be, they have to meet that guideline. So how does this keep the, the seller's new lender? from applying the original mortgage to their debt to income ratio. Make sure we've got no questions here. All right. First question we got Scott. Great topic. Uh, does this work particularly because the refinancer was dealing with a different lender than who's holding that sub two note? No, I'm going to explain that Scott. Uh, I will explain why this, why this works so well. Okay. Uh, Give me just one second here. And then we have, uh, Jonathan says, this approach that you're talking about having negative, does this approach? It can. It actually can have, it it depends on the terms of the deal. So so the question is, does this approach that you're talking about have a negative tax implication? It can. Um, It just depends on the terms of of the seller finance uh, mortgage. Okay, We'll, we'll get to that though. I'm not sure if that's one of my talking points, but you do bring up a good question, so uh, I'll come back to it. Um, so, how does this prevent the debt-to-income problem? When your seller sells on a mortgage wrap, there are usually terms. There's going to be terms. There's going to be just like a just like any other mortgage. There's going to be a note, and then there's going to be a a a mortgage or a deed of trust, depending on what state you're in. Um, but the terms in that in that deal, the terms in that note are going to provide generally, they're going to provide the seller with income. So this not only wipes out the debt, um, but your seller can then declare any profit off of a seller finance mortgage deal as income. So instead of this uh, applying, instead of buying subject to and applying um, this debt, to their debt-to-income ratio, now they're actually earning an income because they, in the eyes of the lender, uh, this is going to offset their DTI big time, and and it's going to be in the positive side because in the eyes of the lender, the borrower, your seller, uh, they have sold the property, right? It's been sold; it's been through a legal sale, and not only have they sold that property, um, but they sold it on installments of which they are now generating an income off of. So now that they, now they get to report this as income. So they have interest income. And if you, if you're buying it, if your purchase price is higher than, uh, than what they owe against their, uh, if your purchase price is higher than what they bought the property for now, they have principal income and they have, um, and they're going to have interest income. All right. So, That's how this shakes out. That's what this looks like to the lender. This is income. This is not just, this is not rental income. This is the, this is income from a sale, totally different. Right? So interest income is taxed, um, at ordinary income. Right. And, but the principal is taxed at a capital gain. Okay. So two different types of tax, uh, categories. All right. Uh, the principal and interest income is applied directly to their debt to income ratio and it actually decreases that ratio so we're going in the opposite direction with a subject to deal that debt to income uh, that I'm sorry that mortgage is going to increase their debt to income ratio unless you use one of the other uh, strategies that that we talked about um, you know with the 75 percent and or the um, Well, the seventy-five percent, or it can be a wash if you're using the um, the ruling on debt paid by others. Okay, and that would be a hundred percent wash. But in either one of those cases, you know, if you're using seventy-five percent of the rental income, there's still twenty-five percent there that they could potentially be uh, that could potentially be applied to their debt-to-income. If you're using the affidavit, that's going to be a one hundred percent. It's going to be a wash. So they're not going to, uh, it's not going to count against them, but they're not showing an income with, with providing with buying on a mortgage wrap, you are actually increasing their income, thereby decreasing their debt to income ratio. So let me make sure we've got no questions here. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, in the eyes of the lender, I'll kind of recap here a little bit, the eyes of the lender, the borrower, your seller sold the property, they sold it on installments. Um, and now their debt to income, if they're making a profit on that sale through the installment sale, uh, through, uh, through principal and or interest, this is actually going to decrease their debt to income ratio. Here's the great thing. Um, this is a little more complicated. It's not, it's not that tough to do. It's really not. Um, you know, if you have this systematized, this is super simple. Um, but the cool thing is you still have legal title to the property. You're not just buying this on equitable title right, or, or through equitable title. Equitable title would be uh, contract for deed. Um, or, well, that's, that's really an agreement for deed agreement for uh, bond for deed, all of that good stuff that would be equitable, equitable ownership only this, this way you have actual legal title. Okay. So, um, don't get me wrong. I would still much rather take a property subject to. Uh, it's a much cleaner solution. There's less moving parts. Uh, I only have to make one payment that goes directly to the lender with my, and and you guys, this is your business. You're going to have to do what you, you know, make the decision to uh, to do this or not. But I prefer to make two payments on a mortgage wrap, like I said, because particularly if it's a, a financial uh, financially distressed seller, I can make a mortgage payment to their lender and I'll make a separate payment to them if they have that payment coming. Um, you know, DTI problems exist in many, many, many of these situations, right? Um, but buying on a mortgage wrap can definitely be a, a, a solution to this problem. Um, so let's go back and t- let's address... Uh let's address this tax thing. Um uh, but, but, but give me one second. Okay, so tax-wise, and I'm from here on out I'm just referring to uh to buying on a mortgage wrap. So <clears throat> Now this, I don't have notes on, so we're just kind of, kind of going off, uh, going off the cuff here, depending on how you set up those terms on that mortgage wrap, you know, everyone's ideal, the ideal situation is get to that, get that interest rate as close to zero as you possibly can. Well, that could be a problem in itself. You just have to do the math, right? So if you, if you agree to a, um, to buy to buy a property. That has an underlying loan of I don't know. Let's just say it's for simplicity's sake. Uh, sake let's say it's five percent. Uh, and but your mortgage wrap deal, you want you want to buy that at zero percent. Well, obviously there's going to be a um, there's going to be a shortcoming in the in the end uh, unless you can compensate. And, and I'm talking about the interest rate. If you've got five percent on the underlying, you got zero percent on the mortgage wrap. You know, unless there's an offset in sales price. And you can figure out what that number, you know, if you can look at those two amortization schedules and it's, you know, at some point on those amortization schedules, you're going to see that you're paying this loan off faster than the underlying is going to be being going to be paid off. So now you have a discrepancy. Now you've got a problem. So generally speaking, um, what we will do is we'll still try and get the lowest interest rate we can on the, on the wrap, but we'll make sure that we're not in a pickle, uh, when we either go and go out you know, sell that thing or refi it, that the balance of the underlying isn't greater than what your balance is on your wrap. Okay. So, uh, it's a little bit, let's just say this is, this gets a little bit complicated. Generally speaking, you're just, if you want to, you want to have a net zero, a type of a net zero type of, uh, situation. So generally speaking on our mortgage wraps, we will try and we will match our underlying interest rate, So it's really just kind of a wash. It's a net zero, um, interest payment. And ultimately what, if, if you, if there is an overage on your payment, you know, maybe you purchase the property for more than what your seller purchased it for the way they're going to make their, their money, that's going to be a 100% capital gain because all they're receiving are principal payments. Does that make sense? Anybody, am I confusing anybody here? If I'm confusing you, go ahead and stop me. But essentially, we try and match, to just for just for simplifi- uh, simplification, we try to match our mortgage wrap interest rate with our subject to or, or our underlying loan interest rate so that they match. Then we'll pay, That's that's effectively us paying 0%, net zero on that mortgage wrap. And then if we, if we do have an overage, say we bought, like I say, we bought the property for more than what the seller bought it for. We're going to make a payment to that seller, but it's going to be principal only on that mortgage wrap. I hope that makes sense. Um, so the income that the seller receives off of that, off of that um, seller finance note, that's 100% principal you know, tax, you know, looking at it from a tax perspective, that's 100% principle that you're paying that seller. So that is actually a capital gain, right? Uh, so I hope I'm not, hope I'm not losing you on this. Um, it can be a little bit complicated. I this is why I would just prefer to take it subject to uh, and be done with it. Um, but you are definitely going to come into this situation. You're, you're definitely going to experience this. People, um, it's probably... Probably, I would say the number one reason uh, for this big uh, change of heart type of uh, subject two deal falling apart type of thing um, It's going to be the number one reason because you know they don't want to be stuck. And personally, kind of kind of add to it, we don't generally um, put a term, definitely not on paper, because but we don't put a term on how long we're going to hold on to that subject two property. We don't like to. I mean, you just, I think it's dangerous to, uh, to tell a seller that, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Seller, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll buy this subject too, but I'm going to go ahead and pay this off in two years, in three years, I'll refinance it. It's super dangerous to do that because you don't know where this, let me look, look at the market we just had, although it would have benefited us to, to, um, possibly in this crazy market that we had, uh, just this past couple of years. Um, but you don't know where that market's going to be in a couple of years. So, so what we generally do is we'll tell them, you know, Mr. Or Ms. Seller. Um, we would like to get this paid off in X amount of years. We'd like to get this refied in X amount of years, but it just doesn't always work out that way. So, uh, so we definitely don't put anything in, on paper um, just because of, of that, because uh, of that problem. We just can't foresee where the market is headed. So, um, so anyway, um, I think that's really, I don't know if that answers your, your tax question, Jonathan, I hope it does. Um, uh, but I think, um, I think this could be a good solution. It's, it is a little, like I got say it's, it is a little complicated admittedly. Um, but I think once you have your mind wrapped around it and, um, You know, and you have a system, you've systematized it, uh, systematized it and implemented it. Uh, It's a really, uh, it's a really great solution. It's a really great solution. It's a win for for everyone involved. So, all right. Any questions? Any questions on this topic? Let me see. Let's go ahead. I probably don't need to uh, display that in the, in this particular, uh, with this particular crowd, because I think everyone knows we do this every Sunday morning at 9am. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, tell your buddies, tell your friends, tell your colleagues uh, that this is something we do every Sunday morning and we'd love to have them on the, uh, love to have them on with us. And then, uh, finally, just really quick, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and wrap this up, but I wanted to, uh, again, if, if, uh, I don't know how many of you maybe have received our, our, our emails or what have you about our live event in February. But uh, if you haven't, then I would invite you to go over to uh, We're going to do this 100% online. Um, again, we were having some some scheduling issues. So uh, we decided to go 100% online because everybody has availability to the Internet. Right. So, um, so go check that out. And then um, I think that's going to be about it for this week. If there are no other questions, comments, I would, uh, I'd be happy to, to, to take any, but if you guys don't have any, I'm going to go ahead and end the call. Three, two, one. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me. I will catch you all next week. Uh, Have a good one and, uh, get out there and, and make some offers. Take care guys.